there are certain where they try to pull these certain like what are ultimately arbitrary quote unquote truths and facts about existence or humans or whatever that I'm just refuting by my existence and by my basic experiences of, yeah, I just did that. And you said it was impossible and you said I would die. And this is not to say, oh yeah, you know, just chug a bunch of essential oils and fuck it, all your problems go away. Like, no, but there are certain things where it's like, there's more of a value placed on maintaining the illusion that we know everything than there is actually learning what there is to learn, you know? All right, folks, here we are. Episode six of season four. This one, this is a high energy one. I'm not even, I don't even have any notes on this guest because he's so proficient at the art of talking. When we're together, I, I basically need to just occasionally move my eyebrows or uh, make eye contact and then the conversation will continue. Uh, he is that capable of, of just going, going, going. And Lorenz, I mean that in a complimentary way because I, I guess I'm learning how to do that, but generally speaking, I tend to just be quiet and sit there and kind of be more like a rock or a, a mushroom. Uh, so it's refreshing and it's 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 different. You're gonna you're gonna love it. I have zero notes because you don't need to know anything about him. You're just gonna love the show. He's a high energy, inspiring young friend. It's an honor to call him a friend. So nothing really to say about Lorenz. Just enjoy the show. But I do have a relevant rant <clears throat> that uh, I think, yeah, I think it's very relevant. Despite not having any notes on the show, it's very relevant. People are always asking me to like to share, or no, they're not always, but occasionally <laughs> when it comes to these things that I'm in the flow of creating, um, people reflect back. Like it'd be nice to know personal experiences or tell us about things that actually happen or tell us about you. It's just not in my nature necessarily to do that, but I realize that it's, it's important. Um, it's a, it's, I guess it's engaging. People like to know the stories. I tend not to really focus on them. Um, as I've discussed with many people, I'm more interested in, I guess, what what lies beneath, or to use Russell Brand's phrase, what's under the skin, uh, what's going on beneath the surface for somebody as opposed to what happened. That being said, here's an example of something that happened in my life, and it will be relevant to this show. And it's going to be the preface to a beautiful, uh, well, to a rant about beauty, not a beautiful rant, a rant about beauty. So just recently, I'm walking home, actually from picking up Lovebird in town, shout out to Lovebird. And I can see a guy from the from the block up ahead walking towards me. And of course, like, well, all right, I'll go here and he's clearly there. He's walking in the middle of the street. I could tell there was something in his hand. I don't know if it was alcohol or not, but he wasn't, he had a sort of I'm not altogether look about the way he was walking. Granted, it's dark. I'm not really sure. 
there's ice on the ground. Who knows? It, needless to say, I, I would do it for anybody. I, I went out of the way of where I saw him walking, went to the other side. It's what we, yeah, we tend to do. You don't know if the person has a mask. You don't, yeah, we make room. Anyway, he then goes over to the sidewalk as well. I don't know if it was because of me or what. And now you see why I don't normally tell stories because I'm not necessarily that good at it. But, <laughs> but here's, here's what happened. As I'm walking the one direction and I can see he's walking towards me, I step to the side to let him pass because that's just courtesy. I think I probably do that regardless of the pandemic, so to speak. And he's getting closer and he says, I think he said, um, well, well, how about that? Or something like that. Like, what do you think? Of, like, how about this? And I don't even reply. I'm, I say hi. <laughs> uh, like what I would prefer somebody say, hi. And he says, Biden gets elected and all of a sudden global warming's uh, done, huh? <laughs> I did laugh to myself, but I I didn't laugh in a way that he could hear. I basically just kept walking. In fact, I did keep walking. I just went. I may have I may have met, like made a noise, like, mm. but I didn't engage. Clearly, I remember what happened, but I didn't engage. Biden gets elected, and all of a sudden, global warming's over, huh? He was complaining about the fact that. It's winter and there's this thing called snow and there's ice, et cetera, et cetera. So that's an example of an actual experience. That's something that actually happened. And here's my take on that, if you, if you want to hear it. And again, it's relevant to the episode. We value opinions way too much. Like, What if we didn't value opinions? And I'm specifically thinking about global warming or climate change or whatever the fuck you want to call it. We need to stop. Like, what if we didn't care about each other's opinions on the matter? Because I don't care. I don't care about your opinion on global warming or climate change or any of these content or any of these bigger picture concepts or contexts. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about that man's opinion. I don't even really care about my opinion. It's really not valuable. And I think there's a need to consider the extent to which we value opinion. It gets in the way. What does it get in the way of? Sure, that guy wanted to connect. He wanted to connect over um, some issue he has, I'm guessing, with, well, obviously the weather and snow and... But at the end of it, I'm not really feeling that much empathy. It's mostly just like, shut up. It's going to, there's this thing that happens every year where the earth in this area, because we're tilted away from the sun, you're going to have colder weather and there's possibly going to be snow. And if it's a particular temperature, it's going to freeze. Your opinion about it is pretty fucking irrelevant. If you don't like it, do what most people that don't like it do and move to somewhere where there doesn't, where it doesn't happen. Otherwise, quite frankly, I don't think it's that interesting and I'd rather you just process your feelings, I guess. If you want to do that, we can do that. But the opinion is irrelevant. And especially if it leads you to think that you have some kind of conclusion about 
probably anything, but specifically something as obviously debated and fought about as climate change. So what if we didn't value these opinions? Uh, your opinion, what if you didn't value it so much? What would your life be like? What would be different for you? What if instead we focus on beauty? Because really what it comes down to in terms of global warming or climate change is, do you value, what do you value? And I'd like to know, do you value beauty? Is deforestation beautiful to you? Is pollution beautiful to you? Is malnutrition and starvation and mass hunger beautiful to you? If it is, it's pretty fucked up. But I suspect it's not. So fuck climate change and global warming. We need trees. We need clean air. We need clean water. We need everyone's needs to be met at the basic levels. Whether you, agree, whether you think climate change is real or not is fucking irrelevant. Your opinion isn't important. And if that makes you unhappy or uncomfortable, good. Get over it. <laughs> your opinion is irrelevant. Beauty. That's what we need to value. Beauty. And we can. But our opinions are irrelevant and they're in the way. Focus on what's beautiful. And at the very least, forests are beautiful. Trees are beautiful. Having clean air that doesn't have plastic in it pulsing through your body, pumping through your lungs, feeding your red blood cells, feeding your tissues, feeding you, having water that's full of so many nutrients, minerals, and my God, children not starving. That's at the bottom line. And then we can take care of all the, we can take care of so much just with that. Because so the reality is there's a, this man represents a, a different kind of poverty. He has his basic needs met. Of course he has heat. He, he probably, he was, he had the appearance of someone. He did not have the appearance of somebody even remotely um, poor or no, actually, no, let me put it this way. He looked, he had a nice jacket on the little bit I could see. He looked like somebody who just had a bit to drink and wanted to rant about Trump. Um, in his indirect way, bitch about Biden. His needs are met in the sense that we're talking about. But what does it really get down to when somebody like that psychologically is incapable of being at peace and feeling whole within himself and being able to really just hone in on the fact that he's secure, there's a clear security he has. He can walk around town drunk and not worry. He can walk in the middle of the street and know he's not going to get run over, even if there is ice. 
His level of security is very, very legit. The possibility for him to be of service to others is also very real. You're probably similar to him if you're listening to this. Your needs are probably met as well. If that's the case, what's next for you? What's next for us? What can we focus on to make life inherently beautiful for each other? What can we do to make each moment more beautiful for each other? So much. So, so much. I don't give a shit about your opinions regarding climate change. And nobody else does. Figure out how to make your life more beautiful and others more beautiful. You'll enjoy it and you won't give a shit about climate change after that either. Other than that, you can come here and get in the ice and realize your body's potential and you will stop bitching about the snow. And I highly recommend that too. Uh, which is how I know Lorenz. <laughs> he came to Koru as an ice bathing uh, client and student, and we have become good friends, really good friends. And it is with that that I am, it is an honor and a privilege to present Lorenz to you after a message from our sponsor, Philadelphia Table Company. You know, it's not just a company that my brother-in-law runs. It's a company that actually <clears throat> cares about making beauty. Philadelphia Table Company is providing the most beautiful dining room, living room, office furniture, wood-based furniture for you and your family. And they've been doing it for 80 years now. And they will continue to do it for as long as your children and your grandchildren are around and for as long as there are trees. And they do it in a sustainable way. Um, from what I'm told, their practices don't contribute to deforestation, uh, and they're inherently focused on the good of the environment for all. Philadelphia Table Company doesn't get any better than that. And with that, I give you my good friend, Lorenz Markov. Okay. <clears throat> What's it feel like to know you're going to be able to edit any of this? Um, like, I have the power of God. You're the divine. <laughs> I'm editor. literally the divine right you're now. You're the divine editor. So this I, is, I could just make you say whatever I want you to say. I could just chop up whatever. I could literally just have you say, like, Lorenz is awesome. Or, but, like, probably, like, grander and, like, more honest. That's true. Yeah. That's exciting. I hope you do that. Slip that in there every now and then. I won't. I'm too scared. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been a good day for you. Ice, sauna, a little smoothie, a little apple. Yeah. And finally, as you paused me from saying earlier, finally we're recording. We made After it. After many, many months of attempting to do this. Yeah. Does it feel as climactic so far? Um, 
It's nice in here, at least. It is. It is nice. Work, work. Aside from the mess that you told me not to not to look at. Yeah, it bothers me too. <laughs> My final bit of cleanup from uh, every major transitional um, detail that took place during 2020, from starting in January to all the way through. It's my final pile, pretty much. Pretty happy about it. It's not, that's not that important. Well, it's not that big of a pile. You've, you've... All things considered, no, it's yeah. not. It was enough you... to fit in the closet, and I took it out of the closet because it would just stay a mess and, in the closet. And then you closet. wouldn't have a closet anymore. That's, that's what I allowed temporarily, <laughs> and now I want the closet. So we have to take care of the mess. This is how life goes. And things are settled in enough with the, I guess, the organization, the media organization in the back. And I need to actually have a better uh, organizational system for papers and files and forms and things in the closets. You're going to so. have a file cabinet like an old man? We have them. We've had them the whole time. It's just the... God, you, because just added, the, you added like 10 years of your age cool. just by that sentence. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is a necessary, or at least a seemingly helpful part of running a business, having filing cabinets, not just one. Yeah. But given all the transitions that this lovely brick and mortar space called Corey Real Wellness has been through, the filing cabinets have um, occasionally not been used, and now they will be. And I think all of this is worth editing out, because it's extraordinarily boring mundane then, then, Then we'll just, <laughs> then we'll cut it. You know, you can do what you want. Um, so you, oh yeah, you wanted to say something about the, the fantasy home you want. Oh God. I mean, it's definitely cause I got, I, I got back into Minecraft. I got back into Minecraft and now I've died spending like four hours a day building my dream house. I haven't played this. I haven't played like, I like, I remember like. Just I, as long as this isn't like talking to my son, it'll be. I fine. mean, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> You know, I hope to be at least a little bit more eloquent. You're a lot more. Thus far, all he would say is stuff, and he would just make noises, not sentences. Burr. <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, my, my, you know, my friends were playing, and I had, like, I completely burned myself out on that. Like, I was one of the original, like, I was, like, a 9, 10-year-old playing this game back when it was just, like, like an alpha, back when you had to, like, run it through. You had to, like install a specific java javascript just to run the game like i was like back in the day you know i was a small child playing this game and like i completely burned myself out because i played it for like four years like every day several hours and then i didn't touch it until recently and now i'm just i'm i'm full swing back into it i'm, I'm I, I built um i built a nice lodge on top of a hill um nice little cliff that i can jump off into water um yeah, like on the for dream homes, it's like I have so many of them. I'm constantly thinking about dream homes. Like I'm always thinking about like where do I want to live? Like where? Because like I, uh, maybe it's because it's like you know some escapist fantasy. Because like, I don't, I'm not where I want to live right now. But like I don't know, like I, I go from like oh I want to live like in a mountain town, right? Like Colorado, like Keystone, like Breckenridge area. Oh my god. If I could like like live there, and then well, I mean, honestly, the Zen Garden idea and the Mountain Lodge idea are not mutually exclusive. I no, could just have of both. Not. Yeah. So the idea would be to like have the like square house. So anywhere in the house, because then you know it's an open area in the center, um, 
and then there's a Zen garden there in the middle. Maybe a little, maybe a little pond, maybe a little something nice, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, maybe maybe it's like the the um, what's the name of those like screen doors that slide open? I think the ones you have Soji screens. I think Soji screens. Or yeah, it could be. Um, that's similar. That's, yeah, certainly would go with the image of this. Exactly, this, this and lovely then little square sand. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a Zen garden. You could put like a fire pit near the near the mm-hmm. Zen garden, um, near the pond. Maybe have a nice little tree growing out of the out of the house. Maybe um, on a big bonsai tree if that's oh, possible. Yes, Japanese maple maybe. I I would give that's any. That's what this room needs a bonsai tree. Do you think you could fit a bonsai tree in here? I mean, like bonsai a baby trees one. Come in all sizes. Yeah, I guess a baby. An baby actual one. bonsai tree was would be no bigger than any of the plants that are in here. I need to get plants. I have like no plants. Well, that's why you're so anxious. <laughs> it's part <laughs> not, of it. Not for the litany of other reasons. I just don't have plants. Yeah. Like so. Did you see Ex Machina? You're probably. I oh god, I want to see that movie so bad. I have. It's part what of my you, like stupid <clears throat> long backlog of movies that are like totally up my alley. Yeah, it would be way up your alley. And the arc, The reason I bring it up is the architecture of the of Oscar Isaac's home, and. Also, um, I can imagine if you didn't have plants anywhere, yeah, I think that's a big part of why anybody gets anxious. Yeah. Even if it's not apparently, uh, if it's not apparently obvious, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. We're not not meant to be away from plants, to say the least. I think it's because, like, right now I live in one of those, like, copy-paste, like, you know, like model homes and like my neighborhood is just like everything's the same. I don't, it's like, a, it's not a creative, inventive, like living space, you know, to the point yeah, where like cookie cutter, toll house, oh, it, it, kind of it, stuff, it breaks yeah. my heart. Like I literally get depressed. Like every time I walk around or outside, like as soon as I like notice where I am, which is all the time or most of the time, because I'm totally unconscious for parts of it, but like I did, like, I've been doing that a lot recently. Like yesterday, I drove to King of Prussia to get uh, glasses, right? Because um, I need a new frame. I need a new frames. A, I was just because I was like, I'm gonna be in and out. I don't want to see people. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. Do- I'm sanitizing every two seconds because, like, I was like, it was blowing my mind how it was packed. I was like, Are you kidding me? It's packed. Mm. So I went and I got my frames and I got the fuck out of Dodge because um, it's the only glasses store. So the whole mall is still packed. Just Completely. everybody's walking around with their well, masks. Well, people were on like and... lowering, lowering their masks to talk to each other, and like, wow. yeah, no, like I don't like King of Prussia any time of year. Yeah, I mean, I don't, Certainly. I don't, I don't want, I didn't want to go there, but like, the only glasses store that like had the, it, it's, it's a Warby Parker store, and like the local, like you know, all the local, um, like optometrists, like the frames that that I was particularly looking for was like was like sturdy frames that um you know, are wide enough to fit my big ass face. Um, we're like $400. And I was like, I don't want to do that. You don't have a big face. I Dude, according to, according to optometrists, I do. I have to get like the extra wide. Hmm. Nothing else fits. Um, and I'm, yeah. I objectively do have a above average sized head. <laughs> have, I ever no, told you, I know have I ever told you the joke about the one with the big orange head? No. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Oh, yes. All right, so... <clears throat> Is this guy, he's new in town, walks into a bar, and he orders a drink, sits there, making small talk with the bartender, and he's looking around the bar, and he sees this one guy at the corner of the bar, and and this guy just has a 
big orange head. Like huge, massive, makes no sense. How could he possibly have a head this big? And and he leans up to a party and goes, you know, what the heck is it? Guy? This guy's a big orange. What's the deal? He's like, it's like oh, you know, he, his rule is you buy him a drink and I'll tell you the story. And he goes, okay. So he's he walks up and he's like, hey man, can I buy you a drink? And he's like, ah, oh, you want to hear about my big orange head? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 give me a round. So they, you know, they, they get past the small talk. Their drinks come, and he says, "Okay, so you know, I was, I was, I was an archaeologist, you know, an archaeologist back in the day, and I was going through the pyramids, and 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 you know, I found this secret compartment where the pharaohs keep their treasure, and and you know, man, it was crazy, man. It was like, and then I I walk up to this to this little lamp, this oil lamp, and I said, oh, I've I've seen enough Disney movies to know that if I give this one a good old shake, <laughs> something's gonna happen with it, and um." And then sure enough, a genie pops out and he's like, hey, yeah, yeah, what are you? Three wishes. What do you want? Oh, go, okay. And he, yeah, and he goes, and he um, goes, all right, I want orange. all the money I want, like all the money I could possibly ever wish for. And he goes, got it. You know, and he goes, bam, wallet full of money. Suddenly he's got a bunch of credit cards, can't be maxed out, infinite money. Amazing. He says, okay, well, I want to be married to the most beautiful woman in the world that I love. And then, you know, suddenly she's there. She's like, "Hey, I love you. Let's get married." He's like, "Cool." They get married right on the spot. Apparently, the, apparently the the genie was was also an ordained minister, and um, and then another guy says, "Oh, you know, the genie always won me." He said, "Oh, you know, this is the part where everybody everybody you know messes it up with this last wish." So I had to make sure that I was really, really, really wishing for for the right thing. And I looked at him in the eye and I said, "I wish for a big orange head." <laughs> And that's the there you go. <laughs> what were we talking about, glasses? <laughs> <clears throat> that is so stupid. I have like so many of those jokes. I have a joke that takes half an hour to tell. Don't tell it. I won't. I won't. I was already like, do I want to waste five, five precious minutes? You of this? did just waste everybody's time there. There, <laughs> I at least have a genie one that. I think is rel- has a better punchline. Like you know, a guy in a bar um, sees another. Okay, so let me let me give you the whole thing. Guy walks into a bar, sits down, mm-hmm. and orders a drink. A couple moments later, bartender puts down a little piano on the on the bar. Mm-hmm. Do you know this one? Okay, great. You're talking about his little pianist, right? Yes. <laughs> did I just did I just like kill all your you momentum? Basically ruined it. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. sorry. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's a better version of this. Is I'm not though? even gonna waste people's time telling the joke. Yes. Well, that's least. more. That's like monkey's paw, which is like so. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard monkey's paw jokes like so it's many. The whole times. thing. I want a million bucks or a million ducks show up, and the bartender says, "Well, I didn't ask for a 12-inch pianist either." <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, but like the 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 joke with the big orange head one, being that expectation, being the monkey's paw reality, being that no, he just straight up wished for a big orange head. This is what he wanted. <laughs> this, this guy looked into his future. Who could he could have anything he wanted? He was like, "I want big orange head and nothing else." And that's what I want for myself. Um, but we were talking about classes. Oh, I, I don't heard. know what we were talking about. King, we're talking of, about Prussia, Prussia, King of Prussia, terrifying classes. place, terrifying place. It was really, yeah. it was terrifying. Yeah. Oh God. And I remember like looking around, and I was like, "There's, there's no nothing closer." King of Prussia. I wish there was, but yeah, I mean, sure. there was a Barnes and Noble nearby, so you know. And then that's when I realized, oh my god, I should hit up Cyborg One. Support your local comic shop, everybody. Do it. There you go. Um, and 
uh yeah like it was i was looking around i like i i it's it's been happening so frequently where i just look around and i'm like there's no there's no like life you know there's nature like there's like some king well, of pressure that's a perfect example of a terrifying it's te- it's cement ter- desert well, i was lo- i was looking I around i actually think of like how realistic it is to get lost there oh if yeah you didn't yeah i i could legitimately imagine getting lost there yeah i'm like well I, the only thing that like kept me cuz for cuz like all of the displays i was like i i for some reason just couldn't find the name of the store that i was that i walked in from that I parked outside, um, and the only thing that that got me out of there was twelve year old me knowing exactly where the Lego store was, so I could like triangulate based off of that. Plus, I just have like a just a good sense of direction. Hmm. Um, I, t- I tend to just like keep a, keep a log in the back of my head of like which turns I took and like where I came from. Um, but yeah, like it's it's like horrifying to me almost, where it's like. I don't like looking around. It's like I know that some people walk around and they're like, "Wow, this is amazing. This is a this is awesome," you know. But to me, I'm just like, "This is this is horrifying." Almost like it's it's really just because because I looked at all of the housing around it. Yeah, I think you went from one anxiety producing setting to an even worse anxiety producing setting personally. But yeah, like, you got to do what you got to do to get your uh, your eyesight working, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um. And I just noticed it was all like, you know, super low income housing, all like literally like so tightly packed together, like with no room to breathe. And and the closest thing that they had to like a park was like the river that was nearby, which was probably polluted to hell. And there's, you know, there's construction all over the side of the river. So probably probably not where it's somewhere that where they could go like i'm just thinking about like okay well like if i'm living there what are my options what do i do you know especially quarantine like oh like imagine sitting in in a house that is cramped so close to other houses and you can't go anywhere and the closest thing near to you of like any notable landmark whatsoever is like that's what like second or third biggest mall in the united states king of prussia yeah probably um Behind whatever the mall in Michigan or Minnesota, Mall of America, mall some of some, America. Yep. Um, and yeah, and the closest thing near to you is just people being super stupid and and making irresponsible decisions that keep you perpetually locked in this space. Like, oh my god, depressing. So yeah, a lot of thoughts, a lot of lot, lot of daydreaming, a lot of thoughts on my potential dream home or just you know i don't even it's it's not even so much a dream home as it's just like what do i want for it's myself? number three is it number three what's number yep. two american dream in new york city huh oh east rutherford new jersey sorry mall of america american dream king i'm gonna say if it's um if it's in new york then i would assume it to be like the world trade center mall no east Rutherford, New Jersey. Rutherford. So many places in New Jersey that I just aren't so forgettable. Have you heard my rant about how New Jersey is the taint of the United States? I <laughs> admittedly don't know if I recall it. There have been a lot of rants. Yeah. As you're proving during this brief time thus far, even <laughs> on the mics, you are good at just talking, and I admittedly don't always listen. That's, but that's please fine. carry on. Tell me about New Jersey being well, like the taint of the United States, as you just put it. So, like, you know, 
unpack your beautiful theory here. <laughs> I and I'm not so I'm not talking about geographic location because there is an argument to be made that Florida is the dick of the United States. Sure. Um, just because it's phallic appearance and that it's hanging off at the front, you know, like you know, there's 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 a good argument to be made. I'm not talking about geographic location. Geographically, New Jersey's been considered the armpit. Yes, which I feel like would be more accurate. Um, and more. if we're talking about geographic okay. location, but right. in terms of my analogy, because like let's think about it, New York, tons of phallic structures. You got so many skyscrapers, so much like hubris that people are like, I want to make my big rod higher than yours and wider than yours and shinier than yours. You know, it's it's the dick of of the United States, right? Where, where it's like, oh my God, this is great. Uh, you know, in, in some ways it, it's kind of grimy. It's not all it's cracked up in me, but hey, look, you got this giant big struggle. You got this giant big thing just whoosh, going straight up. Then you got like PA. Most, I'm mostly talking about like Eastern PA and like Philadelphia and like New Hope. For Philadelphia in particular, that's the asshole. That's the asshole. It's grimy. It's like whack, but there's a lot of fun to be had, <laughs> right? And then, and then you have the taint which is New Jersey, which is just the space in between those two fun things or potentially not fun things, however however you fall on the spectrum, right? And and that's just where you're at. That's <laughs> just where you are, you know? You're like, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like Lydian in music. Lydian is a temporary home, except Lydian is like beautiful. Lydian's awesome. Lydian mode is, it's, it's, um, it's the fourth, fourth degree in the, in in a chord or in in like a chords in like you know pr uh, chord progressions right that that's a not accurate terminology but I don't feel like searching my brain for the accurate ones. Um, Lydian's a temporary home when you don't know what you're doing. That's New Jersey, but it's like a taint because it's it's weird and grimy and there's just so much like you go from like just absolutely packed and like tight places like 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 King Prussia situation like Elizabeth which I'm pretty sure is like the most disenfranchised area in the United States period um statistically because they have so many factories surrounding them that they're like the air quality is garbage and and like economic opportunity is garbage because the cost to get to commute into New York City are like are outweighs the cost it's like a horrible situation um and like now I'm just thinking about socioeconomic uh, things. What was it? Oh, taint. Wow, taint. that might be taint. That, wor that might be worth unpacking. You know, connecting this with the uh, the lar the world at large could be worthwhile, right? <laughs> I'm a genius. You know, I went from taint to to, to you know socioeconomic. Do, do you have a way, or should I chime in? Or oh, just no, please, please. You and... They're probably sick of my voice at this point. Yeah, how about that white patriarchy? I, th I feel like you were on the verge of like really hitting on that. Um, oh well, I mean, like, yeah, Elizabeth is like overwhelmingly a black community. If that's <clears> what you're talking about. You like it's it's awful, and all of those factory owners are all I, white. It was just a soundbite that oh. made sense to soundbite. Okay, you. <laughs> cool. Um, Something I'm gonna have to clip out for later. Yeah, probably. That's here's. Oh, we should probably like introduce what me I'm observing. We, these people have no idea who I am. I, ha I do an introduction. Don't worry. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, you're welcome to say something more about yourself, but in a moment. I think this conversation thus far is is kind of highlighting what I am experiencing. Like I said, since at least last Wednesday, but certainly, um, yeah. And I don't think Wednesday has much to do with it, other than technically that was inauguration day, but. Um, 
I'm not I'm not feeling very focused on mm. like what to do next. What's the best next step? I'm not feeling too focused. And I dare I say even a little bit uh, uninspired about what the next step should be. Um, it's tricky, tricky for me to live to 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 see that. It could very well be what I, with respect to what I was sharing about Friday and the extent to which I put my body through the ringer <laughs> Friday night into Saturday morning <clears throat> in a in that way. But I don't know. I don't. It could be related, but maybe not. I can just tell. Well, I mean, like not even even not really sure what's what the next thing to be focused on is. You know, we accomplished one detail, but by no means is that. I mean, that's barely. That just made it so that we could probably avoid disaster, a certain kind of disaster. Yeah, probably something I don't because like the good thing about somebody is like you know somebody like Joe Biden being president is that. We're not gonna we're not gonna get a disaster like the COVID response that Trump had, like you know, under his presidency. Yeah, like that. Like there is a level of competency there, which I'm glad to see. But however, even if even if Joe Biden was like, at like farther, le- like even if he was like, which would be ideal for for me and um, several other people, I hope. I um, think this is, is like, like a post-war kind of. Like, yeah, like um, he feels like a post-war malaise, president. Um, well, not malaise, but just a. Fog, like a post-war, like we were so amped up and and focused on the the one obvious stressor, and and taking care of that, and in some ways it seemed like we won. You could say some, obviously not to everybody, but yeah. you and I could perceive things that way. But at the same time, it's like yeah, I know that was barely. There's so much more that we need. Yeah. Like, what is the next freaking step? I was thinking about that while I was in the sauna and I was kind of sitting there and I was like before I came. <clears throat> yeah, before, before you came. Before we did our picture. Before we before we before we memed the hell out of it. Um <laughs> I was I was thinking like he feels like a post-war president because but al- but almost not because it's weird. Also a nice Middle Earth poster. I didn't notice that was Middle Earth. Um oh, hell yeah. There's also a Boyd right there. I, I knew he was there. I knew I knew I knew my boy Eric. There's a lot was of there. deliberate things in here, but a bonsai tree would be um, good. A bonsai, bonsai tree, tree would be good. Carry and, on though. Stay stay with this. And like, I'm thinking. No more the, orange head talk. God. Not me. in the literal or figurative. I'll tell sense. you the bee joke sometime. Um, not now. <laughs> but I was thinking about it, and he's sitting there, and I I could almost picture him saying, "We are at war with, um, you know." Far right, far right radicalist, but he wouldn't use that language. It was, it was like it was weird, like because I could, li- I was, I could feel that the energy was almost like we are at war with this, right? Or because I, w- because I was like, okay, well, I'm somebody that, you know, the United States that I grew up looking at was George Bush going war on terror, you know, right. that's what I'm, that's what I, I understand the United States as a very much a warmongering entity. Um, so I'm wondering where is the conflict going to shift to? Because this country always has conflict. Granted, every place has conflict. Conflict is the nature of many beings, you know, with different ideas and goals, like rubbing up against each other and just going about their lives. But the United States has like such a, like, it's, it's like chaos. Like, like, Does conflict have to mean war and opposition 
Oh, now this I is think, gonna get juicy. I think now you're now you're pushing me in the right way. I is think conflict the same as war slash opposition slash being against. I don't not necessarily. But exactly. I think I think in the case that we're in now, yes, it 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 does be it it it, it does seem to be seem to be that way. But like I think the the kind of things that you're talking about where it's like, okay, well, how do you stand for something without being in opposition to, right? That is the conversation going in the right direction. But unfortunately, that's not a conversation that many people are like, like awake to yet. Like that's not something that people even, that's not something that's even in the picture for some people. I think that's why I've been feeling uniquely tired and needing like, all right, give myself some rest because, okay, I I can see, wow, that's so obviously a critical question. And at the risk of sounding like some sort of, at the risk of sounding condescending or even a little, um, well, there's all kinds of ways it could sound, patronizing maybe. It's like, all right, I need to regroup before I start really trying to push for that, push that question a little more loudly. I need to give myself a little break beforehand, as if I'm the only one doing it. But at the same time, I don't know. Do you know, is that question something that even people, that people seem like they're capable of even understanding? I know, I know people that are asking that question, right? Uh, Unfortunately, it's like, Maybe in terms of young people, maybe two or three. In terms of uh, generations above me, um, it's you, and then the generation above that, two people. Like it's like such a small group of people. But the but the hope that I have is, and the, the you know this is one of the few places where I'm placing my hope hmm. is that is that you know we can conduct ourselves and produce a conversation in a way that starts to inspire the people because you have you have a ton of people that are so that that only woke up to social justice and like re like the re, start to really see the underlying issue of America and like what it's found, or just really just kind of a lot then like how that echoes through the world you know with white supremacy with capitalism or, or you know just all the various different forms of like oppression that are happening the way that 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 many many people for many many years have just been screwed over right flat out and also how we're just we're spinning our wheels like you say like we're just we're not conducting a society that's healthy sustainable helpful to each other we're not we're not doing this we're, we're not it's almost like we're not putting thought into it you know um and my hope being that there's since there's so many people that are that you know because of the strong opposition because of the you know the strong conflict um are now like starting to realize that i mean i mean i was in like high school when trump got elected so it was one of those things where i was really kind of really were learning you, were you in like high school I, I, was, <laughs> I was i was learning about those things for the first time you know so it was like i was just real you know i was understanding what they were you know, for 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 the first time, like in a real world sense, and then that's only been reflected in the past couple of years. But like, all these people are now asking, "What's next?" And then I think the opportunity is now to just you know speak speak the word 
whatever the word is, you know, mm. for us, it's this conversation. And I, cause I do think people are listening. I do think people are looking for something because they, they're starting to realize people are smart. They're just, I, I've, I, I used to be like the, oh, people are dumb. They don't get, they don't, they don't get it. Um, you know, I, you can't never try, never under, I used to be like, never underestimate how stupid the human populace is, but I've kind of course corrected that to going, well, how could they know the same things I know or do that or any of these conversations or any of these um, ideas because they've never been exposed to it, you know? These are all, granted, there are questions that I've been asking. These are questions I've been asking since I was a kid, but only because of my formative experiences am I where I am now. Only because I have a disability do I understand the, like, um, wellness aspect of it, you know, because that's until, until I had the worst moments in my life, you know, where I couldn't move out of a bed and I was like, couldn't keep food down all of like, you know, the whole litany of terrible things. I wouldn't have gone down the path to like sus really sustainable living and ask myself, okay, well, how do I do this for the long term? How do I do this in a healthy way? In the same way that many, the majority of, of people, you know, they haven't had that experience or the, even if they have had an experience where they have been pushed to the brink, they weren't in the, in a, in a unique position with resources and, you know, people who, who, you know, seemed to uniquely fit exactly what I needed, like that were close by, you know? So it's, I do, I do think they're looking, I do think they're looking. And I think, I think it's just a question of making sure that you're it, making yourself heard, but not like, shouting like the power of somebody who sits there says what they need to say and is so confident in that message they don't need to compensate in any other way conversationally mm -hmm. i think everybody like you know everybody starts to go oh that guy that, that guy or that you know they, they, they really you know she really knows her shit you know like you're like wow like, holy God, you know um that's 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 the kind of thing i had and then to something something would be to offer yet another one of my life experiences like i mean i was like I, as a kid, was never taught to be kind to people. That's just not something, like, it was an instinct that I wanted to have, but because of, like, how I was raised, who I was raised by, and just the situations I was in, I spoke, like, you know, the language was aggression. Even, even when you were trying to communicate something nice to it, you had to front with some form of aggression or, like, aggressive language, like, you know, you'd tell somebody that you enjoyed hanging out with them or whatever, or just anything like that and be like, yeah, fuck you, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know, and now I can rib like that with people because I know that that's different, but it used to be that it literally, like that I had to, everything was aggression because I was so fragile in like the actual state that I was in. I was so actually insecure and it wasn't until I met, or I'd known her for a couple of years at that point, but it was like, I was really pushed to the brink socially and personally and all that stuff. And, you know, um, we, you know, this person who now ended up, you know, she's one of my best friends now. She would just like, she was just consistently nice to me. And I, I wouldn't get it. I would keep, I would keep talking to her now with her mostly because she was like the only person who was talking to me at the time or one of the only people. But it was the constant like unerring message of like kindness and support that like got me like, you know, I had to get to the end of my rope. To, to realize that I was hanging myself with it, you know? And by somebody consistently offering their message of being kind to other people, of, of you know, uh, just being respectful and, and 
all of these things that you think are so basic that like I intellectually knew, but then you compare that message to what you're actually doing in your life and you go, oh, whoa, 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 I'm living wrong. You know, that's the kind of thing that I hope other people will get where by just by the example and seeing the difference that it can make for them, you know, because it wasn't until I felt that difference personally, like, wow, I feel so much better now that somebody's not treating me like garbage with how fragile I am. Oh, wow, I sharply should be that way to other people. And, you know, I was like a 15, 16, 17 year old. So, like, I hope that that's a lesson that 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 other 15, 16, 17 year olds are learning. But in my experience with other young people, particularly in discussions about politics or, um, you know, just behavior, destructive behavior, I realize that that's not something that everybody necessarily knows or has gone through, you know? What succinctly are young people not aware of? Themselves. If I, it's self-awareness. There's, self-awareness. There's, yeah, it's just not there. You know, because <clears throat> I... It certainly isn't a touch piece of most educational systems, seemingly, yeah, or at least no, public. Um, yes, self-awareness. Seems like that is the... Uh, <laughs> the thing to try to be catalyzing and you can't do it by force. Mm-hmm. I know you've got a lot of good opinions uh, and just also opinions about some <laughs> things. Tell me, give me your brief take on capitalism because you, it fits in with your being young and having a very sort of, you're not a, you're not a like just straight up idealist and you're certainly not, Um, swept away by any kind of wokest bullshit. But you do have an opinion about capitalism I'm curious about. Yeah. um, It being that with with this, so like the base system of capitalism is to maximize profit, maximize personal wealth, right? Um, Well, one would, I've, by no means as a devil's advocate, but to paraphrase what I think is a, in a fairly accurate and, intriguing defense of capitalism. It is what many people believe to be the only way to um, consistently encourage innovation, which is what some people would say synonymously is progress or evolution. It's, in many people's opinions, it's the only option for continuing our betterment of self and each other and whole. Yeah, and... That is actually the belief by many. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I, whenever I say that I don't, whenever I say that I think capitalism is bad, that's the first thing that gets brought up. There you go. Um, you know, where it's like, this is, this is how you get innovation. This is how we move forward as a society. But like, the thing is, I just want to, I just want to clarify like base definitions. Mm-hmm. The, the capitalism as a system is, is by design to maximize person, like to maximize profit, personal wealth, right? And by and the idea being that by everybody doing that, it's it's you know uh, that's how innovation comes because everybody's trying to get everybody's trying to move forward everybody's trying to get more wealth so by doing that you you get you know I think oh I need to you know maybe I'll invent something or maybe you know maybe I'll, this trade or that trade you know this is how I make money therefore this is what I'm offering to the world there's two main things there's several things about that that I want to touch on but there's two main things. One is that you're assigning human value to to a number. 
like almost you're signing like because and you're signing it's the heaven's reward syndrome almost right where that you're talking Did i give you that phrase yeah, I mean, I knew that. I knew the. Well, we haven't talked about that in weeks or months, so I'm, I'm just impressed. Well, I just you. knew that. I knew that. I just didn't have a name for it. You know, I knew the thing. I but, think that is the technical term, heaven's reward syndrome. Yeah, and it's considered to be one of sixteen, um, like pathoses. Yeah, I'll look it up real quick. Go for it. No, yeah, and the the thing is, is that every, you're assigning someone's value and someone's worth as production and like you might say oh well that's not true you know as a defender of capitalism and i would say well simply look at the actions of companies like for example service employees are literally treated like objects um not allowed to sit not allowed to say no to a customer they're literally supposed to have like you know they're expected to just have people scream in their face as long as they put like a profit is king, you know, like it's a cognitive distortion. Cognitive 16, distortion. Conventionally, they're considered to be around 16 cognitive distortions. Yeah. And it's called heaven's reward. Yeah. So there's the inherent issue of everything you do has to be productive. And I, now that I'm, you know, is productivity the same as commodified? Is that synonymous? No, that's no. that's not. It's synonymous, but it's not the same. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because if yeah, if everything you're doing is to maximize profit, because that's the system that you're in, you're not thinking about quality of life. Because if I think about the things that will get me the most money, and the things that'll make me happiest, they're they're usually antithetical, or not antithetical. That's not the word, but like they're usually opposed in some way. Um, where where if I wanted to make as much money as I want, I'd be a day trader, I'd go into finance, you know. I have that's what my family does. You know, they're 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 CEOs, they're businessmen, they're, you know, at least my dad's side. Um and then I think about what I actually want to do and I I'd, I'd make, you know, not even a quarter of the money that I could make doing that. But the doing the thing that actually makes me happy. And like that's that simplifies it way too much. But for the sake of like introducing that, um, there, there's, there's the issue, right? Where you have, you're constantly thinking about production. How do I make, how do I commodify my activity? Um, and if you want further evidence of that, just look at companies who are, you know, they're commodifying your existence. They're literally studying all of your existence. They literally, these people, yeah, like, we'll get they to look at, they big, look, we'll get to big tech and social media. Yeah. They like, but, they literally like, they time when you jerk off to, to, to maximize their profit, which I wish was a joke. I wish that was, I wish that like Mike Pondsmith wrote that in as a joke in like cyberpunk 2020, like all, you know, back in 85 or whatever, but unfortunately it's not. Um, and the second issue being that if your goal is to maximize your profit. And my goal is to maximize my profit. Everybody's goal is to maximize our profit. Then by nature, the people who are successful at that are going to make it very, very difficult for everybody else to attain wealth because it's all about, you know, keep getting more and more personal wealth, which is why the, which is why you see, for example, Jeff Bezos, who accrued an absurd amount of wealth and is now spending millions and if not billions in lobbying in corporate interest in all of these different areas to make sure that he doesn't get taxed to make sure that his empire doesn't get broken up to make sure all like this guy is more powerful than most he's more power than most governments you know and money is power so there's an inherent there is an inherent imbalance in that system and 
you know, to, to lay out the whole spectrum, the idea is that, uh, like, you know, on the left and right thing, uh, the farther go, the farther you go to, like, communism is as far left as you can possibly get, you know? Um, we're in capitalism right now. Fascism's to the right of cap capitalism, but they're not, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, fascistic systems can occur in any of, any of them, but it's, but... Um, yeah, I don't know if that's accurate to say that fascism is a right thing. I think fascism is a simply a extremist and excess. It is a result of certain people having excessive power over others and control in ways that are considered to be um, a function of negating others' rights. Yeah, but part of that, that can happen in any context. It can, but the thing is, but like the thing is, is that. I, it, the the idea of the all of the systems to the left of capitalism have safeguards against it, right? Where 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 pure capitalism is, is you know it's all, it's almost what we're living in now, which is late stage capitalism, where where you know people are not looking to 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 stop that like they're like whatever the market's up, who cares about your human rights? The market's up. Like, cause that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we're dealing with. Like, you know, there's no workers' rights. All the unions have been busted or most of them, you know? Um, and we're now, we're now in this place where, where it looks like we're in a juxtaposition of, is it human rights or is it capitalism? And the world seems to be saying capitalism. Um, and, that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, you move through <laughs> capitalism to d democratic socialism, which is, or, or, you know, um, if you're using the German term for it, uh, democratically assisted capitalism or socially assisted capitalism, which is where capitalism has safeguards against it to protect human rights, protect laborers' rights, uh, which are you know one and the same, um, and to make to make to ensure a constant quality of life, things like universal health care, things like you know making sure the roads are good in all of the neighborhoods and not just the rich ones, making sure that uh, you know like you know pollutants are 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 not running abundant so that, you know, whatever factories down the road isn't killing your cows or whatever, you know, uh, stuff like that. And then you go left of that and you have pure socialism, which is the system where housing is guaranteed, uh, li like living is guaranteed, food is... So essentially all of the... Because the, the idea of a government, really, modern government, would be to ensure the best quality of life for its constituents as possible, Pro provide the basic necessities, defense... You know, food, uh, housing, you know, uh, job guarantee to generate its market. Because like the 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 market, quote unquote, is something that exists. Seem that 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 will exist up until you get to communism. And I don't think that, you know, communism is an ideal. You know, there's things that you can learn from it. But I think it's very unlikely that we're going to get there anytime soon. Even you know, if in our lifetime, you know. What are the ideals to you about communism? Uh, that you know, it's a, a stateless. Uh, it's a stateless world where, where, you know, all where the barriers between human society have, have, have everybody's kind of gotten to the point where we realize, oh, this is kind of arbitrary, you know, we, where it's all, it's, it's entirely community based, um, where it's, where it's like this community helps each other in this way. And then this community helps each other in this way. And everybody helps each other because if everybody helps each other, then every, you know, then it's. That <laughs> there's no need to to press anybody for it. There's natural strains that'll happen to that system. Like for example, if natural disasters can occur. You know, then you have to just you know. So there's there's 
there's logic problems that you can throw at that that that's kind of that start to poke holes in it. But like the but the core ideal is the same, right? Um, well, what are some of the logic problems? Like the one I just like like you know for example a natural 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 disaster occurs. Let's say that three neighborhoods or three communities require eight. There's only enough for two of them. Who decide like you know who decides who gets what? Who you know um, like how do you how do you get to a point, you know, how do you make sure that everybody gets what they need? And how do you balance the inherent injustices that might occur by dis in the decision-making process of who decides what, who gets what? Um, and that's kind of where communist Russia got caught in because they weren't actual communism. They just, you know, they overthrew a capitalist state and then it's called state, cap it's ca state capitalism. Are you referring to the czar? Well, um, Lenin. Well, kind of like well, yeah, like yes, but uh, like it's state capitalism where the government just kind of they just absorbed the entire private sector. They absorbed the oligarchy, right? And they said they called it communism because that's what the people wanted. But if you look at the actions of the system, that's not what it was. Mm -hmm. um, all they did was absorb the private sector as a means of more control. Uh, so I think that's also where part of the confusion comes from. But in general, my whole gripe against Capital, it's not really gripe, it's just a fundamental flaw in capitalism is that by design, as it the more time that capitalism exists, the fewer people have that wealth. And the more it, 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 uh, the inequities come through that wealth because this guy has money, he's going to spend that money to make sure he gets more money so that the other people don't get money. And then you kind of start to go down that road and end up where, we, where we're at now. So a short version of what you're saying is that the excess is the inevitable excess is a form of or essentially individualism regardless of how it relates to or the effects on the whole yes so the priority becomes individualism as opposed to uh potential consideration and balanced relationship with a collective or whole exactly if it's, it's since it's all focused on personal wealth individual gain individual greed so by nature it's going to work against the community against against the whole against i don't know if it's by nature it depends on what nate that's a possibly the whole that might very well reflect the actual <laughs> reason why I feel a little tired is I don't think it's necessarily nature. What you just said by nature implies to me something very negative about humans. What did you mean by nature? I by by like by design of that system. Okay. When I hear by nature, I think of human nature as a which is a concept that from my understanding many people have beliefs about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I largely perceive them to be fairly negative beliefs. So where do you sit on nature versus nurture? What's your, what's your balance? So much of our perspective is formed by and rooted in a context which we have, we have to consider and in considering it, we can also recognize, well, the context could change, which means that the way we nurture 
our supposed nature could change. And also means maybe we don't know actually the truth about our quote-unquote nature. And to draw conclusions or even make certain suppositions is incredibly careless and seemingly very dangerous if it results in, which it seems to, the perception that we need to control ourselves and control others and control what's around us because there's something either wrong, flawed, or bad about us that if left unchecked or if we're not careful with, will uh, run amok and catalyze some sort of terrible catastrophe. It'll be chaotic, if you will, to say the least, yada, yada, yada. I think there's a rabbit hole that we've dug ourselves, that we've gotten ourselves trapped in by even thinking that we have enough information to really be <laughs> yeah. um, fully... To, to we're arrogant in the sense that we think we know um, the answers to these questions, whereas what we truly seemingly can be sure of is quite minimal. And I would r- largely say that the problem is we take an, an unintended sort of pessimistic or cynical approach to ourselves in mass, which reinforces the... <clears throat> well, negation of some new possibility. So I don't even know what the nature-nurture argument... Like I, I could pretend that raising Griffin is some sort of experiment that's showing me certain answers, but it's not. Plus, he's only one person. That's not enough of a... Um, that's not enough people to suggest you have any kind of information. I think the primary goal, that, as I see it, is to recognize that we know very little, but what we do know is supportive of our ability to move in a new direction, um, as you said, kindly, dare I say lovingly, but primarily with an awareness that there's there needs to be something new. And if we're committed to doing that with consideration for our needs and everyone's needs and consistently making sure that we're not just getting lost in the trap of only caring about our needs or even tricking ourselves into thinking that we're only considering our needs, then we can stay on the path of something new. And I think the main need at this point is to recognize we need some a new method here. We need a new approach. We need a new um, belief system even. We need a new story. Like I imagine aliens yeah. <laughs> arriving to our atmosphere or looking at us from outside of the atmosphere and it's like, oh, that place looks pretty. I've never explored that planet before. Let's check it out. And they get closer and closer. And as they get closer, they start to see some things that are maybe a little surprising, like lots of lights or um, areas where there are less trees that maybe they assumed there would be some, or uh, some kind of fumes being shot out of these structures, as you said, sometimes phallic, regardless of that metaphor. And what I would mostly be surprised by, I think, is the, if I started to, hang out with some humans, I would be surprised by the 
our obsession over what is so obviously a small, dare I say, insignificant aspect of all of existence. That is the sometimes asinine bullshit of our day-to-day, like having to, quote-unquote, make a living, like having to (laughs) drive from one place to another, like having to do things that you don't want. And I would be surprised... I mean, that's an oversimplification, but bear with me. I would be surprised by the number of people who tolerate what, from my alien point of view, looks like a fairly um, subpar experience of oneself. A, an experience where, I guess there's no beating around the bush. I would be surprised that people believe that there's something other than the experience they have before them right here in this moment on earth. I would be surprised that people are willing to um, forego all of the like basic truths that <laughs> I, that they'd be willing to project a uh, project the better experience upon some sort of fiction or fantasy. Even if that fiction or fantasy is someday. Not you don't even have to get into the concept of heaven, literally heaven's reward, as you said always seeking some sort of the extent to which we're willing to project that better situation upon some sort of fiction or fantasy, some land of make-believe. That would, I think, surprise me if I was getting to know humans. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? And we keep, we don't seem to realize the extent to which we do that moment after moment after moment. Yeah. And it's easy to do that. It's actually take it takes in this current moment a lot seemingly of energy not to do that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um or to even know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't want it to be confusing and I don't want it to sound Yeah, and that that's kind of it. Like I see that there's there sure, we've we 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 need to take care of things practically one step at a time. But like you said about spinning our wheels, are we really addressing the core fundamental foundational um, issues? I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I have a lot of doubts. Yeah. So what do you, what do you categorize as human nature? Cause for me, what I think, when I think human nature, I used to think like, Oh, the will to do this or blah, 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 blah. But that's not, that was kind of just like something I heard from like myths and fables. But what I really think human nature is nowadays is the, like the simple, unavoidable truth of being a human, which is you need to breathe, you need to, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to, you need to, you know, produce waste. So you got to pee, you got to poop, you got to, you know, just those basic facts about being a human. I would just add choice. Yeah. All of that and choice. Like once you become, theoretically self-aware, which is obviously an if, not once, not inevitably, Unfortunately, but if, is an if. if there's a certain level of awareness that you are able to cultivate, which to me is the whole point of education, 
then you recognize choice. The question is choice over what? Choice over not eating and drinking and breathing and sleeping, but perspective, story, belief. Um, Other than those things you listed, you know, the main thing we all need is air and yes, water, rest, movement. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And movement is basically how I would summarize all of it. The foundation of what we all need is movement, you could say, if movement me includes those elements, being able to breathe, of course. Then the only other part that I'm sure of is the need to choose. Yeah. Uh, the ability, I think, trying not to be hard on anyone as I talk about this, but it's... <laughs> um, Let them have it. <laughs> oh, it's not... I don't know if it's necessary. Plus, it, it just... Maybe it just be cathartic. I don't know. It's just... It's so obviously sort of petty, but the, the the trap that we so unfortunately laid out for ourselves of believing in God in a certain way is, is what I get really caught up in. I see that. As we, in, and then we negate choice because of that. Like the way that so many things are just written up to God. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the heaven's reward and the projection of, of the of the hypothetical better moment upon someday or some fiction fantasy or land of make believe. Um, choice, like it's a matter of us wanting to choose to be to prioritize being here in this moment with each other on Earth and to make the most of this. And I think largely why we haven't is because of, unfortunately, a lot of Christian myth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the same, on the other hand, people argue, well, that's what's helped propel us forward, so to speak. And that is the debate. To what extent is that true? To what extent is, even if it is true, does, doesn't mean that it's not at a certain cost. And can we reassess our foundations? Yeah. And what I'm curious about is like, I wonder if like we figure this shit out in 500 years. Like, what, <laughs> like I, I do wonder what the next. Why five? How can it be five years? <laughs> I wish it was five, but come on. You know, it's, not, it's not happening. In or five. even 50. Oh, two more zeros. Jesus. 500. I mean, you think back to 500 years ago and what's changed between then and now? Internet. Well, industry, the industrial well, revolution. I think the most important thing is the, the exchange internet. of ideas. Like the ability, we've never, because like, I think the biggest tool that worked against us was, was um, you know, for the fact that you know, a certain society could just decide, let's send a boat over there. Are there people there? Fuck it. Let's take them. Oh, we need, we need people. Let's take them. Yeah, put, put them. Put them to work. Put them to work. Yeah, make some shitty houses. You put them to work. 
the fact that they could do that and the other people had no idea, right? No, there was no way of knowing, no concept. They, there was just, it, for them, it was just a nightmare. It was just awful. And I, I, that something like that can't, it's very difficult for that to happen now because of we're just, all of our information and knowledge is so interconnected. And granted, there are many faults to that system um, in many ways that it's being used in, uh, unproductively and against us. But I think that, you know, now more than ever, we've had the biggest opportunity to educate ourselves. So many, there's so many things and so many things I wouldn't be aware of if it wasn't for the internet. You know, I would, I don't know where I would have gotten that information otherwise. You know, because, because I said like, you know, I don't know if in this hypothetical other future where there's no internet, would I have had to, would I still have been kind of dyslexic? So like big, thick books about information would have still been difficult for me. I might not have accessed that. On top of that, that would have been something for the educational elite, right? That would have, inform, like information used to be the most sacred, precious thing that you could use to manipulate the world, you know? But now it's it's like this wild, wild west of 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 just like what it's everything's out there except yeah. of stories and concepts and yeah and what but what does scare me is when when that grip kind of gets tightened again what, what sure and that obviously connects to social media and um freedom of you know free you, speech and do you, um, canceling and we can get into all that. Well, we can. But I, I was going to ask if you there's. You, do, you, do you watch Hank Green at all? No, I believe it or not, I was looking up 1521, and it's Martin Luther was relevant to the time. There's a bunch of things I've never heard of, but it's all related to Christianity. Most of the the same, key details, according same. to the internet, are related to Christianity. <laughs> huh. um, well, because that's the lens from through which the world was made. Yeah. Yeah, and people don't seem to. I don't know enough people who, aside from maybe certain academics, not just understand that, but respect to the significance of that, like the extent to which that's framed our psyche. Yeah. Like I said to you, like, yeah, I voted for Biden. And the fact that, and it's so ridiculous for me to be taken aback by it, but of course we're so, we still say God bless anything god bless america god bless the usa like, i keep thinking if i like i've ever since i was a kid i think if i'm president i'm swearing it on uh i don't know because it's legal legally it's just any document that's important to you so i might just swear on a book that i like or i might swear on the constitution or something like that you know because i think i think making this an actually secular country is going to be the most uncomfortable experience well, okay, so we've because, got social media, we've got that. What would that even mean? Give me a moment of, to you, yeah, give me your take on what that would mean to become a secular country, so to speak. Well, I think, to so like, another example of my personal life, where I, you know, I was born in the because, U.S., but well, I moved... Sorry, I know I, sorry, interrupted you, because at the same time, which is part of why I get so, sometimes it looks like I have analysis paralysis or like I'm really, really caught up in discerning all of the information because I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And it's imperative that we don't. And it's obviously easy for people to want to do that without knowing that's what they want to do or to do that, to think that that's necessary. And um, 
No, that would probably be, in any context, bad. What is that? To throw some sort of figurative baby out with the figurative bathwater. Like... Well, what's the baby and what's the bathwater? Well, there's a lot of different contexts for that. Um, Negating God, the Christian God entirely. Uh, If Biden said, you know what? I tricked you all. I'm not... I don't actually believe in... Christian God, I'm not really a Catholic, I'm not a Satan worshiper, but I really just don't give a shit about any of that, and I think we need to learn not to give a shit about any of that, and to reframe our very concept of what God even is, and allow for a whole new perspective on the divine to emerge. I think that's actually what we need as a species, and it's the only way we're probably going to effectively learn how to handle this quote-unquote climate crisis, which is the most imminent threat. Yeah, there are other imminent threats, such as people getting nuclear weapons, et cetera, et cetera. But None that's of that probably matters the, if that's we don't probably have the water. biggie. Yeah, that's the biggie, et cetera, et cetera. So I think really we need to understand the link between our concepts of God uh, and how they're in the way of us rallying together and actually um, addressing not only our problems, but the possibilities of life improving in a dramatically beautiful way where we all actually get what we need and enjoy this experience and mostly have a pretty probably good, pleasant, again, joy-filled time as the, as our foundation and learn to prioritize actually experiencing ourselves and each other in a way which is fulfilling in the, in the moment, I think that's what we need the most. Obviously, it might be a better written, written rant, but I suspect that would <laughs> dramatically um, be, that would be like pulling the rug out from underneath not just half the country, but most of the country, most of the, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, how many, but, I, I think so. but a lot of people. But it's the question is like, <laughs> when's somebody going to say it? When is some, when are we going to learn it? When's somebody going to say it? Cause I, well, good. I'm glad that's the question. Cause to me, God damn it. If we, if that would, that would get me jazzed. Obviously. Yeah. Cause, cause <laughs> the, the experience that I was going to offer. I which, said it. Yeah. Which I think, <laughs> I think would be about a similar reaction to if somebody asked that question, for example, you know, I had lived, was born to the U.S., lived in Europe for almost 10 years and came back, right? So I'm like a 9, 10-year-old, and I'm back in the U.S., and then as somebody that was always cautioned about a bunch of people g- g- standing up and hiling to a flag, right? Then I sit, I'm sitting in school, and they're like, you have to pledge to that flag. You have to pledge to this nation under God. And I'm like, well, I don't believe in God, so I don't want to say that. And I don't really feel comfortable doing that, you know? So I didn't do it. And they tried to kick me out of the fucking school. They tried to kick me out of elementary school. <laughs> like, there was just a, like, a harsh, like, like, I don't know what this is, but I want it out. Like, yeah. like that's, yeah. that's, that's like, that's, that's. <laughs> you were the other in that context. Which... Yeah, I mean, I've been the other many, many, many times in my life. And I think that's just kind of. You know, if if the, hey, if that's what oh being, boo who yeah, who. Well, like, if that's well, what being the other means, then fuck yeah, like I'll take it because <laughs> I I can't I can't imagine because it yeah it like and I've had that I've had that with friends too where I explain to them yeah I sit in a tub of ice like every week and they're like you well how do you have hypothermia are you dead I'm like no they're like well you know if you did that for thirty minutes you'd probably get hypothermia and your organs would shut down I'm like well I did that for like four hours once in Canada, where it was considerably colder than where I do it here. And I felt amazing. And there would, they would, like, well, you, let, let's be clear, you got in and out of the, yeah, well, I cold. got, I got in and out and I would spend like 30 minutes at a time just like sitting in the zero degree weather. 
and and like just chilling outside and letting the snow collect on top of me because I was in like full Zen mode. Um, hmm. But like, like I like they're like, well, you you should have been this, blah, blah, blah. and like you know, this nerve damage should have occurred. And it's like, well, it didn't, you know. And they were they were trying to like they were in, they was just constantly pulling from all these things, and then they you know they were looking. I was like, well, you know, look up Wim Hof. He like you know he climbed a mountain in his shorts, bro. <laughs> like he did. He, he, they, there are certain where they try to pull these certain like what are ultimately arbitrary quote unquote truths and facts about existence or humans or whatever that I'm just refuting by my existence and by my basic experiences of, yeah, I just did that. And you said it was impossible and you said I would die. And this is not to say, oh yeah, you know, just chug a bunch of essential oils and fuck it, all your problems go away. Like, no, but there are certain things where it's like, there's more of a value placed on maintaining the illusion that we know everything than there is actually learning what there is to learn you know oh that was good i liked that the illusion that we know everything yeah that that i found that in my experiences um with personal identity um whether that's like through gender through career through you know relationship to the divine if there is any you know it, like all of these things to you know ice to you know just my disability in general what i've noticed is that everybody is so intent on maintaining that illusion you know um yeah because there's so much resistance to it well that if you if you try to if you try to offer something to the contrary it's just so much resistance <laughs> I like, I think the, I respect Russell Brand a lot. Um, one of his books is over there. There's another one in the back. <laughs> no, it's I'm, relevant. No, it's relevant. no, I'm not laughing at that. I'm not, I, was, I watched Eric Andre for like four hours last night. Yeah. And, and one of his correspondents is Russell Brand. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's just a fucking dude with a long ass beard. He's just very malnutritioned. He just wears his big fur coat, plays the guitar, doesn't know how to play it, walks up, says he's Russell Brand. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Oh, it's great! Highly, highly recommend watching Eric Andre if you just want all of your, all of your preconceived notions about what television is or what media is to just get thrown out the window and pissed on." Like, thanks for that. I was bringing up the actual person, man, <laughs> Russell Brand, with respect to how he contextualizes our challenges as a species with um, in the context of addiction and how we are addicted. And I'd often, you were just talking about control there and, or you were actually referring to a need or the belief that we know everything. And um, Well, part of that is control. It is. I think it's an addiction to control. And I, I was wondering in that moment, like to what extent, what can we, what, what could we learn to let go of more? That would serve. That would serve us in a positive, fulfilling way. What could we primarily? That'd be a fun list. What do you? I, obvious. What you just said. Yes. Yeah, let go of the need to control. Well, more specifically, though, what you also hit on, which I've discussed countless times on this podcast with people, um, let go of the the need to know. Most of the time, embrace not knowing, embrace an inherent uh, 
uh, ingredient for life, which is mystery or the unknowable. That's the fat. That's the primary confusion, as I see it, uh, about not only identity but about our very understanding of life. Like we couldn't possibly ever know everything, yeah. and why are we even trying to? <laughs> good um, question. So, in that respect, it's the same thing about being a identifying or positioning yourself or relating to yourself as uh, in opposition to something. It's all the same tendency, the same kind of excess, the same, if I had to oversimplify it, the same kind of absolutism. Can we have a sense of identity that we welcome uh, a certain fluidity with? There's a provocative word, of course. A certain newness uh consistently can we be alive and know we're never going to know everything or if someday we did it would be because this game was over and whatever sort of all-knowing omnipotent entity there may or may not be chose to finally Reveal themselves. Reveal yeah. the whole story. And there, but we, what we can understand in that hypothetical context is that life would be fundamentally forever altered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in this context, life is mysterious. Existence has an unknowable quality to it, and it has to. Like we seem to confuse, we seem to think that being human means we should know and where we should have some kind of answers. We should have it all figured out. We should have control. Can we let go of those stories? That's what I'm most curious about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and think I recognize the ability to do that is to dramatically change the very foundation of your of how your brain even works it's to change the actual tissues that allow you to exist and it's a i don't think we have a safe enough and secure enough macro world for for where that can happen and that's why i think both in terms of the individual and the collective the micro and the macro like i'm only able to do that because i'm relatively safe and secure my needs are mostly taken care of i don't know if we can if, an, if enough of us have to have our needs met for that to even be possible for us to allow for our <laughs> uh nervous system to go on that ride yeah which is which is partly why i that's partly why i'm moving against capitalism so strongly because i think we need to get into a system where we can support each other at least the government supports us in a way where we are allowed where we're not worried about oh shit am i gonna eat oh shit how am i gonna pay rent oh shit you know am i, am I gonna get killed for my identity oh shit am i gonna get killed for the color of my skin stuff like that right is like once we remove that, which is ultimately, un, you know, I one of the greatest lessons I learned was the difference between pain and suffering is that suffering is unnecessary. 
pain can be synonymous with growth. Sometimes growth hurts, you know? Some things to learn hurt. They are, it is it, not in like a- yeah, the classic oh, spiritual phrase is pain is, uh, or suffering, <laughs> Some, one of them's optional, suffering. Pain is necessary, suffering is optional, is I think yeah. like the classic spiritual sort of um, idiom. Yeah, it's all just semantics, though. <laughs> kind of. Um, but I think if you remove all of this unnecessary pain, like, you know, like, it's like I, it's like I said it in the song. It's like you keep, you know, you've, in regards to Trump and, and that scenario, it's like you've popped the pimple. It's still infected. Right. The wound is still, like you know, you've, you've drained the abscess. You've done whatever. It's still infected. If you're not treating the infection, if you're not treating the core inflammation of that's irritating that's constantly bringing this issue up again you're not changing it you're not reassessing you which it's almost like a it's almost like a you know um like a monty python scenario it's like it's like it's like you know get your arms and your legs chopped off and it's like you're still trying to fight like your your arms and your legs aren't chopped off you know there is a lack of awareness in just basic existence um in the because like I don't I I will I just I I find the the need or the call to really just sit there and really just watch just watch what people do watch their behaviors watch how they speak to each other watch how they treat themselves and you you I learn a lot through that you know um, and by doing that I also realize that that's not something that we as a society are doing so the question like the question becomes what's the best way to get us to a point where we're not all worried. For me, I think next best step is to continue moving in towards a system that provides the basics, you know? And for me, those are basics, you know, food, protecting the natural world, you know, uh, housing for those who can't provide it for themselves, um, you know, maybe a jobs guarantee. It looks like with automation, UBI is something that's going to be pretty necessary to maintain an economy going forward stuff like that you know to healthcare obviously things that that are conducive to a society like you know the things that are not not you know let's say let's say i i build and you know i'm not going to at this moment in time yes i think every country doesn't need a national defense but if we're going to keep funneling money into it we need to assess if how much of that is actually useful you know, they, I mean, the, the Pentagon can't even do an audit on themselves because their budget's so big. They're like, it's, it's a problem. And, and I think once we can, it all comes down to, can we assess this? Can we really assess this? And what I found in particularly talking to mostly Trump supporters is that they don't even want to look, <laughs> you know, you'll point something out and like, like, well, yeah, the cliche is unfortunately accurate it is mostly about the economy for a lot of yeah i think it tep typically and the, the more sort of benign quote-unquote republicans or trump supporters so to speak they validate their point of view because of economic beliefs which doesn't even make even sense interested because in discussing obvious racism or extremism or conspiracy theorist kind of stuff it's the benign versions of these kinds of categories uh do seemingly primarily relate to economic beliefs but i question whether that's even benign of course as you were 
probably yeah, pick which him which up. <laughs> which makes the which begs the question of like, well, if the if the actual want is for the economy to do well, if you if you it, that it doesn't make sense because okay, well, in order for people to go to work, in order for people to, you know, generate that commo- commodity and commodify things, they need to eat. They need to see the you know like it just doesn't it doesn't make any long term sense. Um, so and and I what I found particularly specifically is specifically why I'm not sure if it's obvious why why doesn't it make long term sense because well I mean because I mean like. Because a tree is more valuable cut down than alive, I and mean, is that it or something? No, no, no. That, no I mean, like, that's a uh, legitimate point, though. Yeah, but what? No, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that, like, you're kind of, it's wasteful, right? Where it's like you, you, it's almost like, um, the danger of equating humans to crops, right? You, you're, you're. Let's say you sow. Well, that uh, is the equation. That's yeah. why the point of commodifying or the the danger of commodifying everything yeah. and seeing everything as a resource is danger you have hammer everything is nail mm-hmm. yeah um but let's see it like at that be like you know doing like harvesting one season and then burnt and then ruining your field while you're at it like that doesn't make sense you know you want to be able to sow more seeds just the way that we want to be able to create a space so that there are people after us i you know I want to. I, I want security in, um, you know, the ability to have children and my and potential children to live a healthy life without, um, without suffering. You know, because they're, they're. I can't protect. If I have kids, I can't protect them from pain. Right? We'll never be able to do that. The idea is to protect them from suffering. You know, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, so it's like it's it's yeah, it's like it's like burning your own field after you harvest it once. It doesn't make sense. But um what the other thing that I found is that it's like they the lines are so arbitrary because I remember when in the primary the discussion like Yang brought finally brought um UBI to the table, right? And and people on the conservative side of the spectrum where called them an idiot Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. This is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, this is a handout. This is socialism. This is communism. Etc. Um, oftentimes, not really knowing the, what the the what the the, the the meaning of the words that they're saying. Um, but like, and then when Trump put this, when Trump was finally pressured to put the stimulus package through, it was like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. It like it doesn't matter what it is. It's like as long as the guy that we like does it. Whereas for me, it's a, it's like a fundamental question of the action where I, you know, part of the reason that I, I'm not a fan of, of the democratic party in general is because they'll, they'll read speeches all goddamn day. I, I, the amount of speeches that I've heard about hope and about, about progress, about all that and, and how we need to take care of the people limitless. I could, you, you, you know, shake a tree and you get like a thousand of them. However, if you look at the actions you're really just kind of trading between the same 10 corporations on on who's who, who's in whose pocket. The money still goes to the same places. The votes still go to the same places. You know, that's what I'm concerned about. And I think, and again, that's part of the illusion. There's an illusion that everybody's kind of working to maintain it, almost like a Watchmen-esque kind of way, you know? Right. That's why I'm not celebrating or allowing myself to be swept away by any kind of sense of relief or as if like great now 
Now what? <laughs> now we're all, now everything's good. That's absurd. And I, I'm often shocked anybody does fall for that perspective because the only thing that Trump really uniquely brought to the table, as far as I can tell, is a obvious narcissism, which the key word there is obvious, is the word obvious, <clears throat> and a relentless in his narcissism commitment to stoking the fires of chaos, which whether it was intended or not, nobody, yeah, he, he did that in a unique way. And I'm concerned he will continue to do that in a unique way. Um, so other politicians, so to speak, primarily, yeah, Democrats don't seem to do that as obviously or flagrantly. But what you're pointing out is still an inherent sort of <clears throat> hypocrisy. And yes, that's seemingly fair and accurate. And, and also, I question how important it is to even get caught up in, if getting caught up in it means that you just are obsessing over problems and negative yeah. and being negative. Um, I think, I think. I'm not saying that's what we're doing, but I am. Mostly, especially because I know we have to wrap up soon. I am mostly curious about the like what's possible for us, which is to say, what you know, if we were to pick out a few key values, I think we've acknowledged the the the, the value of questioning. Um, to what extent our individualism is serving us, the value of sustainability, of course, as you just pointed out and making sure that that has a really clear meaning. Um, and the value of re, there's probably a fourth one too, but at least the third would to me obviously be reforming or rewriting our foundational stories about what it is to be human in relationship to each other, to earth and to all of existence. And those are big undertakings and they're, uh, I don't think we're alone in, as you've acknowledged, there are other people who see these kinds of needs. I know there are many a thinker out there these days, especially, I believe, The Social Dilemma had a huge impact in terms of that, and I think the... should probably watch that. <laughs> it's worth watching because of the ending, but yeah, I won't get too far into, the, into that context. Um, I guess, no, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying unpacking this with you because I've needed to you know, be, there's, there's some, there's a need to say like, yeah, great. Whoopty fucking do. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. And like, like let being in a celebratory mode right now seems pretty fucking childish. <laughs> yeah. Like it seems pretty ignorant. It almost, it's, it's, it's almost for many reasons. It's almost like kind of sweeping all of the shit that's happened in the last four years under the rug. Or the last couple of weeks, for God's sake. Like, yeah, the way the, uh, the, the, uh, the I mean, I remember, I, I, yeah, like I was here the day that the, that the yeah. insurrection happened. And I remember saying to you, like, give it a week. No, like, it's going to be like it never happened. And well, fortunately, that's not true. Like, like, which was my, my, my pessimistic view at the time. But ultimately. But that's the thing. I don't want to, I don't have any interest in being pessimistic. It's no. about being realistic and staying focused. Cautiously optimistic, yeah. 
that's that's my that's my goal. But in that moment, I was like, I was just so used to a disaster happening, and then a week later, it being like, oh well, you know, and or something that has like dramatic, very dramatic implications for how we conduct our society, and and then everybody going, oh well, you know, like that was normal, um, which is in a way, it's almost worse than. Um, it being because like that's the thing that we're, we're we I say we it's not we but there's a there's a there's a group of people particularly in media and I say this very intently as somebody that works in media and is building a career in media um, that liked that feed off of those fires of chaos right that that like that almost keep it perpetually going because that makes them money you know and. I would almost rather have that than um, not some, than people pretending nothing happened at all, because at least one way people know that it's going on. But the way that it is, because um, if we're living in excess of that, and I think we're getting there, right, of that excess of current dramatizing the situation, and by nature, if you're dramatizing it, you're not addressing the core issue. Um, by drama, I think I would almost like to be rather be in excess of dramatizing it because in that way, I feel like it's almost easier to call out and acknowledge what's happening than it is to just the the the, the um, instinct that many people have to just like not to not deal with it at all. I'd rather have it be out there and it be problematic, and then you can go, oh, let's let's, let's work on that. Then everybody can go, oh yeah, it doesn't happen. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah, we can't ignore. There's a lot we can't ignore at this point. And I guess, yeah, the, that's the only negative tone I would have is like, let's just make sure we're not ignoring the, or, or getting lost in some sort of false sense of security because of a superficial detail. Yeah. An important superficial detail in a certain context, but still a somewhat superficial detail. And obviously, that's not happening. You are not. You and I are not the only two people with a brain um, and a sense of how to look at things and with a nuanced perspective. There are many people. The obvious challenge is that it's just not clear. It's what is clear is that we're going. We're in the thick of some very significant changes, and we're going to be exploring some very big questions for. Hopefully not five hundred years, but certainly for a little oh, while. God, I, a little while now. I mean, I I really really hope that we're done and not done, but like that significant progress is made in the next fifty years. But I I'm confident in the next fifty years, the country and the world will be dramatically different. And it, the question is, in what in what way? Which direction are we ways, going? Yeah. yeah, and obvious conspiracy theories are relevant. People concerned about. Um, free speech and, and freedom, so to speak, is relevant. The climate change piece to me is the primary. If you're going to be concerned about any particular component, that would be the number one. So there's just a lot to be... There's a lot that needs attention immediately. And it seems, or that's what it seems like. I think about this sometimes. Like I don't technically know. It's only out of faith that I believe that there's a climate crisis like have i seen things with my own eyes technically no so and that 
I, I play that game with myself because it shows how easy it must be for people to get lost in their own in the denial of denial it, denial or distrust, well, and yeah, and, I, and I, well, what 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 make believe? To what extent do you think this? Because I have the opposite. For me, I see the effects of it every day. Where I go, where I, I feel it, it's like it shouldn't be this warm. It sh- it should not be like this uh, at this time of year. Well, it is. Today is not a good example because it's gonna snow. But <laughs> well, I mean, like, but it is tomorrow. A tundra. It, snow. it isn't a tundra out there. But in, the, in like I in the sense that like you, I'm not debating. Of course, no, I, no, no. I, but I'm but I I'm interested in voicing the in, internal like game that you're playing with yeah, yourself game, yeah. to to kind of. Not not only just like get into a, a somebody else's headspace, but just to kind of play it out and you know play with the idea, because like for me it's like I look around and I'm like I barely see any animals. I know it shouldn't be this warm based on you know the patterns of weather that everybody has described that we should be having for a very very long time. I you know yes I'm not seeing you know fires in other in, in other parts of the country or in other countries. Like the Amazon fire or the California fires, I'm not seeing that with my own eyes. Australia, yeah, Australia, Colorado. Like I'm not seeing that with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not seeing oil spills with my own eyes. But but the evidence is all around me, and I can compare that to what I am seeing with my own eyes. The pattern yeah. that I go, okay, well, I'm seeing this, and you know, from everything that we know, this thing causes this, causes this thing. I think can, what this yeah. game speaks to as the primary threat to our ability to handle or to improve our lives together, because it has to be together. I think what this game speaks to is the um, not only cliches now like fake news and conspiracy theory kind of norms, but the negation of a shared point of view as like without it we clearly again to refer to social dilemma and tristan harris in particular it's so obvious that without it we're like we're walking with our shoes tied together yeah and trying to move forward because i can imagine somebody questioning whether there are actually fires in California, whether Miami has increasingly been subject to sea levels rising already. And to really hit it a fun one, whether there's actually um, something, so to speak, happening in Seattle or Portland, you can go in any direction and question the information because we've allowed ourselves to believe that there are that there's misinformation, that misinformation is everywhere. And that in that, as a result, who the hell knows what's true? I'm going to believe whatever the hell I want to believe. My, I'm going to believe my, <laughs> it's, it's almost I'm going to just have my take on it. It is a kind of nihilism. It is definitely an existential threat, which is why I don't think it's worth being too celebratory because I'm not sure that we're, sure how to deal with it it is something that has been increasingly um it is an issue and an inflammation that has increased over the last probably 15 years and yeah i don't think enough people get the fundamental i think we're starting to see over the last year the extent to which it's 
obviously a paralyzing and as you said, nihilistic concern, but I'm not sure enough of us know what to do about it yet. Yes. And I know that imposing imposition is unattractive. Like I only have faith in one thing, which is the capacity to reform education. That's not a quick fix, so to speak, no, though, to yeah. a problem that seems very, um, you know, the to which the infection seems challenging to manage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think any other. I think the attraction of a quick fix is is dangerous, but I also recognize the imminent. Um, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, we've got like what fourteen years before before <laughs> we things get really really bad. Even if it was, even if that's true, the idea that that's true is is in question. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's in question, but for by some, but it's incredible, and it's in question, unfortunately, by some because too many people have already sounded, you know, they've cried wolf about certain things yeah. to the extent that you can have people questioning any of that. Um, the perception of crying wolf is real. Yeah. So lots of questions that lots need question. to be explored. Many things. Are you wondering what I have here? Yeah, I was about to ask about that. Well, I I think it's a nice way to pause for now, especially because I know we have I have to. Um, and you probably are hungry. I'm hungry, and yeah, we we did set a time. <laughs> um. This is what Amanda Gorman said at the inauguration. Mm -hmm. And I'm I think I it'd be I've never read it out loud. It would be nice to. It's it's good. And I think it is, you know, the attraction to it is is important. Um how about we read it and if you feel compelled to respond, we will. Okay. Quickly. <laughs> All right. So this is what this is the poem she delivered um last Wednesday. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea must wade. We braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country in a time where a skinny black girl, descended from slaves and raised by a single mother, can dream of becoming president, only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose. To compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man, and so we lift our gaze, not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried that will forever be tied together victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. 
Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promise to Glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare. It's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying our de- de- delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith, we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So, while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe, now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or or interrupted or intimidate by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation become the future our blunders become their burdens but one thing is certain if we merge mercy with might and might with right then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright so let us leave behind a country better than the one we left the one we were left every breath from my bronze pounded chest, we will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the golden hills of the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast, where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. In every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn balloons as we free it. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. Amanda Gorman. Yeah, I don't know. I can. How am I supposed to follow that? She said everything. <laughs> it was amazing. I'd never heard that before. But she just... Gave, it was only delivered one. on the inauguration yeah that yeah, I didn't watch it's like five days old <laughs> <laughs> alright well we don't have to reply on that one we'll save it for later yeah good stuff good stuff if we I, if we if we schedule the next episode for like next week we'll probably get it by like June <laughs> just because of how often we, we no it'll be sooner I just know how verbose we both can be so we needed to give ourselves plenty of time yeah have fun editing this buddy oh it's gonna be it's gonna be a joy good for now yeah we're good all right all right what i tell you what i tell you he is one smart young guy if i had half the brain he has i think i think he's only 19 he may have turned 20 i can't remember lorenz how old are you let me know um I have these texts I'm going to read from Lorenz. I meant to put the... I was going to mention something about this in the intro, but I just got so wrapped up in my my storytelling and my rant about beauty, which I appreciate you having listened to. It's very kind of you. 
Um, here's a direct read of something from Lorenz just to give you a, even more of a sense of where, how his, the beauty of his mind. Direct line. I'm going to end with this. Thanks for listening, by the way. Here's Lorenz. So we're deep into the Midwest right now, and it's got me thinking of the movement of the area and how it affects behavior patterns. The perspective and mindset of people here could be very, quote-unquote, narrow-minded because there's no free movement. From what I've seen, it's housing that's sandwiched between highways and roads. Those roads either take you to some corporate retail store or chain, some sort of plant or office with the, quote-unquote, natural alternative being big stretches of whatever what everyone tells you is nothing, quote-unquote. That movement is so restrictive and doesn't leave much, if any, room for learning or play. At least none of that doesn't involve. At least none that doesn't involve some form of payment or commercialization. What does that do to a mindset over time? And also, how much of that applies to Doylestown, to Bucks County, to the U.S., and so on and so on? A lot. <laughs> Lastly. I just woke up and thought out a plan to restructure the government into states that are uh, less than regional provinces, part of regional provinces that are part of a federal government. I'll give you that run of ideas when we're in the sauna next time. Okay. So looking forward to uh, hearing more about that, buddy. And have fun with the rest of your trip. And for you, listener, have fun with whatever's next for you on this particular moment. Okay. But focus on beauty. Nobody gives a shit about your opinions. Ha! Ah, maybe. I mean, they probably do, but you need to consider the extent to which they're really that valuable. Mine aren't. I'll tell you that much. All right. Thanks. Be well. Bye.